chapter 26. It didn't bother them, so they don't know what I'm talking about, right? You know, Deuteronomy 26, y'all say it every morning, every Sunday. It's beginning to make a little sense to you now. Okay. <laughs> Not really, huh? All right, let's read and let's see if it makes any sense to you as we go along. It says this, and it shall be when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you should take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. That's good scripture there, y'all. And you shall go to the one who is the priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of God. And you shall answer and say, the Lord your God, say to the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish and went down to Egypt and dwelt there a few in numbers and then became a nation great, mighty and populous. But. The Egyptians mistreated and afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm with great terror and signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have bought the first fruits of this land. It's beginning to sound familiar. Amen. Which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you your house and the Levites and the strangers among you. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of the of tithing, it has been given uh, uh, and has excuse me and have given it to the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widows so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then, the Bible says, you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. Let me read that again. I love this part. I have removed the holy tithe from my house. And also have given them to the Levites, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widows, according to all your commandment, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandment, nor have I forgotten them. Therefore, <laughs> oh Lord, I should skip. I was going to skip down, but let me go on. The Bible says, I have not eaten any of it in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. Some people believe that a lot of folks will spend money on a funeral that they don't have so they can't give it. I'm skip that and move on. <laughs> yeah, you get that later. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Somebody says, is he going to stop there? No, we're going to read the whole thing. <laughs> this day, 
the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore, you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today, you have proclaimed the Lord, uh, Lord to be your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and you uh, that you will obey his voice. Also today, the Lord has proclaimed you to be his people, just as he promised you that you should keep his commandments and he will set you high above all nations, which has made which he has made in praise in name and in honor that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. Amen. Amen. So I want to use this as a thought this morning uh, because we already know that you already know what this scripture says. I want to call this practice your confession. Amen. Do what? Practice your confession. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word this morning. We thank you for the richness of the scripture that you provided for us and the direction that comes with it. We give you praise for it. We thank you now, God, for healing, deliverance. We thank you, God, for your soon coming return of your son, Jesus. We thank you also for every man and woman that's breaking the bread of life around the world. Add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. A lot of reading, right? But it's, it's necessary. Amen. The Bible requires us here in Deuteronomy chapter 26 to make three public confessions. Uh, this precedes the way that we used to do a public confession. Uh, when I say precedes, it, it, it's a confession of our salvation and of our deliverance. It's a confession of what God has done in our life, but it's also a confession of God's faithfulness to his people. And it's our confession of our obedience to him. Whenever we make a confession of his faithfulness, we should also agree to his to be obedient to his word. Amen. So confessions become important. So it's not enough for a nation and uh, to have God and leaders, but it also must have citizens who obey the law. Confucius, y'all know Confucius in Chinese. <laughs> he says the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. And then he goes on to say that homes are made up of individuals. Amen. So the strength of the individual that makes the home uh, what it ought to be. So if we want to have a nation of people who are worshipers, then it must start with the individual worshiper. Now, let me just stop and say this. If there's no worship in your house, there's not going to be any in the church. It's going to be difficult for you to tell people that they want to, you know, you come into church. Your, your reason that you're coming to church is to praise God. And then they see you praising God and they find that a little strange because they've never seen it before. Amen. Mm -hmm. Remember, I heard somebody say that that uh, church is supposed to be the place that brings about a change rather than you coming to church to get a little change. you get that a little later. <laughs> Daniel Webster says this, whatever makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. So what a person confesses is of critical importance. And he says it's because uh, a sincere confession determines how that person will live on earth and how that person behaves. If you see your, your behavior is going to follow your confession. What you say is what you're going to do. And most people don't like to be made a liar out of themselves. So they're going to do stuff just because they said it. Y'all know what I'm saying. 
See, we understand that if a person really has a strong held belief in science, they will believe that uh, your healing comes from medical science. Amen. Amen. Oh, you're getting many out of that. Whatever it is you believe in, you'll begin to confess that. And you'll say, I know that I'm going to be all right because I take this or I, I had this surgery. or I did that, whatever. But the truth of the matter is your healing comes from God. But it only works if you believe in the God who heals. So if you don't believe in that God, then your healing is withheld. Are y'all still with me? Hmm. How many of you know that people die every day on the operating table when the surgeon has already fixed what's wrong with them? Sometimes you can't stop the bleeding, which had nothing to do with the reason you were on the table to begin with. Mm. And you get on now, it's on a different subject here. Let's move on. So the Bible says this. It says, uh, <clears throat> if a person confesses something that Indeed, that thing usually comes to pass because he adds faith to his confession. Now, a lot of times what people do is it's negative faith. Amen. But you understand that that even the children of Israel during the time they were going through this situation, they still had what we call negative confessions. Now, you remember in the book of Numbers when they got upset with Moses, uh, uh, Numbers chapter 16, I believe it is. You'll find that, that uh, they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die and take us out of the land flowing with milk and honey? So they were called in Egypt. Are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes uh, people are so confused by what they see that they make a false confession. Amen. Now, now the Bible says when you make a confession here in Deuteronomy, it ought to be a confession of faith, not of unbelief. So you have to make sure that when you are making that confession, that it is something that is in line with God's word. Now, here's what the Bible goes on to say. Uh, there are three confessions. The first confession, of course, is that of salvation and deliverance. Notice what he says in verse uh, three of chapter 26. He says, and you shall go to the one who is the priest. And uh, he says, say to him. So this is our first say to him. And he says, say this. I declare today that the Lord your God, uh, that, uh, to the Lord your God, that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. So the first confession is that I've come to the place that God has set up for me, not as a nation, but as a. Y'all looking at me strange because this confession was made uh, in the Old Testament, but we use it in the New Testament. Uh, it's the same confession that we find in the New Testament in Matthew 6, 33. In Matthew 6, 33, the Bible says we are to seek what? First. Huh? And then what happens? So the Bible says in Deuteronomy 26 that they were to say that they have gotten to this land. They've been delivered. They're taken out of the land of bondage, which was Egypt. And then it goes on to tell the story that we're to recite, which says my father was a wandering Armenian, y'all, or Syrian in the new, uh, new King James. But here's what he's saying here. And I'm going to shorten it because I want to get to the whole lesson today. But here's what he's saying. He's saying that uh, you might have come out of a situation where your parents were not believers. Hello, somebody. Huh? But God has delivered you out of that. At, at, listen, as an individual, you might have, have struggled a little bit to begin with. But he said, you've come out of that. So he's saying that, that, that we should the first our first confession is that God has delivered us. He has given us our salvation, that he sent Jesus so that we could be free. That should be our primary confession. Now, when we do our profession of first fruits, we always think about money because that seems to be the thing that 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 we're concerned about more than anything else. Now, somebody said, well, wait a minute now, that's money and money and life are not the same thing. Well, it depends on who you are. 
See, because somebody said it this way, say your money is your life. Because most people spend their whole life doing what? Trying to get money. That's your primary focus. So he uses Deuteronomy chapter 26 to give us a chance to say that God wants us to be faithful when he delivers us that we, so that we would be faithful in return to him for delivering us. When we come into this land that God has given us as an inheritance, he has promised us. Now, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert in the, in the middle of the message so you'll understand this. Because I don't think many people understand any of what I'm saying right now. They're just looking at me and say, oh, yeah, yeah. Because there ought to be an aha moment about now. You should be excited about the fact that this is what God said through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 26. You still ain't getting it. Where were they when they made that confession? In the wilderness, Deuteronomy. You know, it comes just before Joshua where they went across the. Come on now, this is this is too good. So so it's a confession of faith. Moses, when he made this. This, this profession for the people, you understand that they were, Moses was just a few weeks from dying. Moses, who never saw the promised land. Moses, who never understood anything about them having first fruits to offer because no crop had been planted and nothing had ever been harvested. Oh, y'all ought to get this. So everything that you do when it comes to first fruits offering, when you make your profession, you're not talking about what you have. But you're doing it in faith because you believe God's going to give you what he said he would give you. So the offering is for what you believe God has given you. So he says the. The, the, the offering that you're bringing me is the result of a crop that you have planted and harvested, but you haven't planted anything yet. Come on, this is good. That's why I say you say it every Sunday, but I don't think you even know what you're saying. You're just saying stuff. It, pastor say, say this. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to learn it by heart. I don't know what it means. Now, I had an example I wanted to use, but I tell you what, every time I think about it, I thought I saw something yesterday that bothered me. And uh, I I, I thought, you know what, I I need to say something about this, but I'm going to just, what folks say, hold my peace. (laughs) But it's hard. Amen. So the Bible says this. He says (laughs) that the confession was about the people entering the land of Canaan, but that had not yet come. But in Deuteronomy chapter six and verse 23, here's what the Bible says. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in. I like that. He brought us out that he might bring us in. See, the one thing that God will do for you is he'll bring you out from where you are so he can bring you into what he promised. But you see, he can't bring you to the place of his promise until he brings you out of where you were. And see, that's why some of us are still in in, in Canaan, uh, in uh, Egypt, I'm sorry. And we're at that place where we can't figure out how to get to to where God said we could be. So he never brought us into the land because we know about it, just like Moses talking about. We understand the principle, but we've never possessed it. That's why our confession is, I am living in it. I am living in it. Come on. I'm living in my faith right now. I'm living in my future. I'm living in my dream. Whatever it is you call your future, I'm living it right now because I understand what God has already said. Now, I'm not waiting for some big pie in the sky kind of thing. I know that he said, for example, I'm healed. So I'm going to live in it right now. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm going to operate in it right now. That's a truth I can possess. It'll be true next week. It'll be true next year. I'm living it. See, we're waiting for something to happen. Even when we do this profession, most of us didn't even understand that it's already something that we, we have already achieved. We're looking for something to happen. And see, that, my friends, is the difference between faith and hope. And I would love to be able to teach a lesson on it. But faith is now. Hope is future. Amen. Just remember that. The Bible says that he brought us out with a mighty hand. The Bible says, look, 70 people came out. It, it just blows my mind. 70 people. And when they left Egypt. They were over three million people. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Are you listening to me? You know your Bible and I don't have time to get through all of this right now, but can I just give you a capsule? See, in, in, in the beginning, what God did is he sent Joseph ahead to prepare a way for these people. Amen. Amen. And he bought 70 people to Egypt there where he had already prepared a place. But you notice in Egypt, they begin to multiply. That, 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 that's how Moses got in. You know, that's how Moses was born, right? But they began to multiply. And the Bible says that the reason that they were multiplying is because God said he would make them a great nation and they were growing at a tremendous rate because of what God had already promised them. They were, again, living in the now. But notice something that when they came out of Egypt, it was because, listen now, because some of y'all need to hear this this morning. It's because the Egyptians oppressed them. If you want to see multiplication in your life, then you better see what this oppression is supposed to be doing to you. You think it's to keep you down. See, it's to, listen, it's to produce fruitfulness in you. Y'all not saying it. It's, it's to produce fruitfulness in you. You don't grow unless somebody pushes you. Remember in the book of Acts, church did not grow until there was a guy by the name of Paul or Saul at that time. He started persecuting the church. Well, what did he do? He started putting pressure on them so they couldn't stay where they were. They had to move out. And see, sometimes that's what your situation is. Wherever you are right now, you're so happy there that God's got to stir up something to create a problem in your life so that you'll move. Do something. Yes. Now, I got to always stop because I realize what kind of folk I'm talking to. Move does not mean physically. Don't get up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move to New York. Pastor say I need to move to Atlanta. No, what you need to do is you need to move spiritually. You need to move from your depression to your state of normalcy. Come on. No, I, you got to make it plain. You got to make it plain, Is If you don't, boy, I'm telling you. I've seen, I, I've seen people pack up and move. No, I can't tell that story either. <laughs> but I got some. <sighs> the Bible says the more the enemy persecuted the Jews, the more the Jews multiply. So suffering and trials are often a way for uh, uh, all, uh, mm, often are God's tools for bringing people, uh, bringing blessings to his people. Now, this is the problem is that most of the time when God is blessing us, we don't know. We don't know that he's blessing us. We see it as an attack from the enemy. Well, it could be, but it doesn't make any difference because you have authority over. No, you didn't get that. If the devil is attacking you, what difference does it make? You have. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to try this other side because I spent too much time with them, but they still ain't quite. <laughs> if the devil is attacking you in any shape, form or fashion, it is proof positive that two things have happened. One, he had permission. 
He had. But there's no, no problem that comes in your life that you don't have authority over because God would not have released it if you come on. Do you understand this? So when you're going through stuff, stop looking at the devil. No, he. Think of the devil as an Uber. All he does is take you from point A to point B. Where you want to go? Where you want to go? That's how you get there. Never thought I'd be saying that. Help us, Lord. So the Bible says that sometimes because we get under pressure, we make a wrong confession. And that's a problem for us. If, if, we, if we don't like what's going on, we say what we see rather than what God has said. Amen. And when you make a wrong confession, then that is a confession un, unto unbelief. Amen. So you have to change what you see so you can change what you say so that what you see will change because of what you say. But see, now here's the problem. If you say it, and you say it from your head and not from your heart, then you're releasing unbelief. Now, somebody say, well, pastor, I don't see what that, you know, if I'm saying it and I didn't really mean it. No. Well, first of all, let's just be let's just be clear. Let's be clear about this. If you say it. You are a person of faith. You are a you are a child of God, right? So when you say it, you add faith to your unbelief. And what you do is you make the thing happen because, listen, God won't change his word. He said, listen. He said a couple of things, but let me just use this like in, in uh, Matthew 18. He says that whatever you bind on earth be bound in heaven and whatever you loose. So he's not going to violate the law for you. Amen. So if you want to continue saying, I'm sick, I don't feel good, I don't like this, I, you, can, you can continue, and pretty soon that's all you'll have. Amen. Whatever you say, Amen. it's the power of your. So you're actually using your, 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 your God-given power and anointing to bring about unbelief. Because you said it. We still here. Okay. I did say there were three confessions, right? I better get to the second one, hadn't I? Well, I got a couple more about this. Now, the problem with the people in, in, of coming out of uh, uh, Egypt is that they had no identity. Y'all understand what I'm saying? They had no identity. This is a problem for the people of God. See, we don't know who we are. Nah, we. <laughs> if you knew the power that you had, come on. If there was two or three people in here right now that you wasn't fighting with, can you imagine how much anointing would be in your little section where you are right now? But to find two or three people, you know, touch and agree, two or three, two or three, to find two or three people that you can get along with consistently is a real challenge for the saint. And the problem with that is because saints don't have an identity. If I say I'm the righteousness of God, in Christ, then I ought to act like I am the righteousness of God. Amen. That means that I ought to say what God says and I ought to walk in the authority of God's word. Yeah. Amen. Amen. People say, well, I, well Pastor, I, I just don't feel like that. Well, I can't find that in the Bible. <laughs> this is the nice of me because the old me would have said, don't nobody care how you feel. But I... That, but I, I 
This is the new, more compassionate me. Y'all. Chair you is hard too. Well, I'm gonna tell you what I saw yesterday. I said I, said I wasn't gonna tell you. I said, no, no, no. I saw this. I saw this. <laughs> I was riding down the street, minding my own business. This pickup truck going down the street. Right, had two flags on the back, an American flag and a Confederate flag. And I said to myself, because, you know, I'm just, I just talk to myself about it. I said, you know, we just passed Memorial Day. Thursday, we celebrated D-Day. 14th is Flag Day. Three weeks from now is Independence Day. And this guy puts his flag beside my flag as though we were equal. So my first thought, my first thought, my first thought, yes, I know I'm live. <laughs> my first thought, not because this is, this is a teaching. My first thought was, what a racist. That's my first thought. But you know what? It's funny how the Holy Spirit talked to you. And the first thing I heard was, you don't know that man. You don't know if he's a racist or what. You don't know anything about it. All you know is what you see. So they said, what do you see? And I'm, you know, I'm thinking. <laughs> What you can see is ignorance. You can't see the person's mind. You, you don't know what he feels about me as a black man. I don't know that. But what I do know is that he is woefully ignorant, not because of what he believes racially, but what values we espouse as Americans. So to him, in case he happened to tune into this broadcast, you lost, get over it. Amen. Now, as I was saying, <laughs> we each need this strong sense of personal identity that's rooted in God's acts for us. In other words, here's where your Christian identity comes from. Where's your church identity comes from? It's because of what God has done for you. Not what he might do for you, but what he has done for you. And see, this is where we derive who we are as a people of God. We know what we were before Christ came into our lives. But we also know who we are today. Amen. So the Bible says you and I might affirm that our father was a sinner, lost, alienated, might have wandered around barren and, and uh, forsaken. But the Bible says that God acted in justice and grace and through his crucified son invited us to believe. And that's the key right there. He invited us to believe. He invited us. He didn't compel us. He invited us to believe. And as a result of that, the Bible says uh, we would be adopted into his family. So this is how we become uh, the identity of the church. We are Christ's kids. Amen. So the Bible says in response to what God has done to us. Let me see how much time. Yeah. In response to what God has done for us, that the worship is to go and present the first and the best of his labors. The first and the best. The first and the best. The problem we have in giving is that we don't mind giving the first, but we don't like to give the best. And the Bible says I want both. First and the best. Well, what is that? Well, first of all, I can tell you right now, 
that when you produce something, well, I have to take back, uh, go back to agriculture. June is the time that most gardens are producing a lot of stuff. But it's because somebody went back in April and planted some seed. Now, when they put those seed in the ground, the Bible says that they were expecting a harvest of some kind. They didn't put the seeds out there and not, and not believe that they were going to produce. So when they put the seeds out and they saw something coming out the ground, that thing that started producing even as a sprout then became the uh, the impetus for those people to go out and work that area because they didn't want what was planted to be destroyed before it was able to be harvested. This is what God does for us. He gives us seed and then he says you need to nurture that seed so it can come to the place that it can be productive in your life. And then when it gets to be at that point where you harvest it, the Bible says that now you are fulfilling the promise because you have seed to sow for the next crop. Now, here's the issue. This area, this first confession about who we were and coming out and, and who our father were, was and our, who our, our identity was. This is about stewardship. True stewardship means that we give God what belongs to him as an acknowledgement that all we have is his. See, it's all his. The seed that we planted, the plant that comes up, everything that comes from the plant, it's all his. Come on, but he just gave us seed. Mm, mm, mm. So the Bible says this. I love this. To bring the Lord 10% and waste the 90% is not stewardship. Hmm? Now this brings me to confession number two. Because now he's confessing the tithe. But isn't it amazing that when you read this, well, let me read it to you. I love this. This is good. Verse 12, Bible says, when you have finished laying aside the tithe of your increase in the third year. Increase your third year. What's he talking about the third year? By the looks on your face, I probably need to tell you what that all means. And I'll run out of time trying to tell you that. So here's what I can do. Go to Numbers chapter 18. I'm going to probably have to let you read some of this on your own. Okay, I'm going to tell you this and then I'm going to show you where to find it in the Bible so that you'll, you know, won't be calling me a liar under your breath. I've always taught you all that there are three tithes. There's a tithe for the temple. There's a tithe for the Levites and the priests, the strangers, whatever. But then there's a tithe for, for what they used to call in the Baptist church, the post-saints. Y'all don't remember that? Y'all remember the post-saints offering? Y'all don't remember that? Okay. Okay. There are three tithes. Two uh, every time you have an increase, and the third is every three years. So what I tell you is that rather than and, and y'all look at me and stay spiritual, OK? What you should be given 
is 33 and a third percent. That's what you should be given. That's what you should be. I say should because it's not a command that you do that. Are y'all understanding this? All right. Tithing is not a law. It's not a law. It was, but it isn't. In other words, when God gave Moses the tithe, Moses said, this is what you give. Amen. In the New Testament, you've been relieved of that. All right. Let me show you this real quick. Messing up my time here. This ain't my lesson. It ain't fair for me to use my time to explain stuff to you. <laughs> Most of you can't remember when you were babies and you could not walk. Not because you had an infirmity, but because you were a baby. Amen. So you crawl. Y'all remember that? When you were, when you see children, <laughs> when you see children crawling today, that is a sign that they are growing into mobility. When you give 10%, you're crawling. All right? When you get up, Right. The Bible says that you should you should give according to how God has blessed you. Now. How many of y'all are going to start crawling again? So then when the New Testament came, you have to add to that rather than take it away. Yeah. You don't go back. To crawling. You, once you got some mobility, you don't then say, okay, I can walk now. I'm just going to stand still. Amen. So now that you can stand, the Bible says, you can go places and do things that you couldn't do as a baby. So now when you give, it's 10% plus. Am I making this plain? When I grow up, when I grow up, I don't worry about a percentage. Amen. Amen. Do you understand that? We call it the tithe. We say you give your tithe. We don't, we don't go back to saying 10%. I know that's what y'all think. Now we're saying you give according to how God has blessed you. That means that at my age, I'm going to give a whole lot more. Why? Because when I was crawling, 10% was all I could do. As a matter of fact, uh, when I was a child, I could only give what my mama gave me. But as I got older, I realized that I had to give for my own life. So then I had to decide what kind of life I wanted. Yeah. I had to decide what kind of life I want. If you want a 10% life, you'll always be able to walk anywhere you want to go. I prefer riding. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's not going to stop you from walking to, you know, to Cherry Point. Take a little longer, but you get there. Amen. He's not going to stop you. He said, okay, keep walking. I was going to use the Howard House, but the, you know, the indoor toilet, but y'all probably thought I was gross. You understand what I'm saying now? But if that's what you want to do, go back to where you began. God's not going to hold it against you. Now, what about people that don't tithe at all? Well, they ain't God's people, so it don't make any difference. So we ain't even talking, to, you know. I'm talking to y'all. Okay. See, y'all, 
there's a difference between being a person or being a human and being a child of God. A child of God says that God is my father, which means that I honor my father. But if I'm just a person who's natural and I have a natural father, I don't have to do it. I don't have to buy him nothing next Sunday. Hmm? See, I mean, the fathers going to spend money this Sunday on their children. They're going to do they going because children don't they don't know. So you teach them, right? By, by giving to them. Amen. Right? Amen. So you say, okay, all right. So your child gets to be, let's just say, six, seven years old. You don't still give to them now because what? They start giving you stuff back. You know, macaroni, <laughs> ashtrays. And, Look what I made for you. <laughs> Am I right? Amen. They start to give back to you. And why do they give back to you? Because you've been so good to them. I got to get off of this. But y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay, quick, quick. Numbers chapter six, 18. Numbers chapter 18. Ooh. Okay, now, if you have a, a, a Bible that's, that's, that's broken in the section, uh, it'll say here, duties of priests and Levites. And then you jump all the way down to verse 8. It says, offering for the support of priests. Amen. Well, I want you to skip all the way down to verse 21. Tithes for the support of the Levites. Now, notice what that says. Support of the Levites. Not support for the priests, but for the Levites. Y'all still with me? So I'm going to try to read this part real good. Uh, it says here, tithes for the support of the Levites. If you go to verse 25, it says the tithe of the Levites. Now, but that's a whole nother story. But here's what it says. Behold, I have given the children of Israel, uh, uh, children of Levi, all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. That in your Bible. It says, but the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting uh, and they shall bear the iniquity. It shall be a statute forever. That's where it comes the law, right? It says uh, throughout your generation that among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Okay, so uh, that means that folks like me uh, would not have if 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 this were if this were. Uh, 21st century church, it means that if, I, if my only job was to be the pastor, I would have no inheritance. In other words, I hadn't saved anything up. My life is just at your, is in your hands. I don't have no retirement, no Social Security, none of that stuff. I have to depend on your smiling faces. Oh, my God, my God. My Lord, have mercy. Y'all understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Verse 24, for the tithes of the children of Israel, which they shall offer up as a heave offering, I have given the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I've said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Now, I got to stop here and I'm going to let you read the rest of this. But here's what I want you to see. Bible says that there was a tithe that was given to the Levites. This is the third year tithe that they're talking about in Deuteronomy. But what it'll tell you is that even the Levites, when they received the tithe, they gave a tithe from the tithe. Amen. Amen. Why is that, Pastor? Because everybody gives. Amen. What? Everybody gives. And what we give, come on now, this is going to hurt, but just, just stay with me. What we give 
according to the Bible, is equal. Y'all ain't looking at me right. 10% is 10%. I don't care if you got a dollar or a million dollars. It's still 10. It's equal. It's Are y'all seeing this? All right. So go back to Deuteronomy chapter 26. I got to finish. God knows I'm already in the rear. Mm, 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 mm. All right. So he says, let me just skip that number two altogether. It's the tithe of the third year. It says every third year, bring it, bring it to the house. And then if you read it, he'll say, look, if you can't make it, you can change it for money. And, and I mean, change it, your, your goods for money and you can spend the money on whatever you want. That's what he said. As long as you give the 10 percent. All right. You read that on your own time. OK, so here we go to the third confession, which is verse uh, 16 of of, uh, uh, of Deuteronomy 26. Here's what it says in verse 16. It says this day. The Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore, uh, you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, he's saying that you have to internalize these things. And the reason he says you have to internalize them because you, can, you need to be able to obey what God has said. Now, most people uh, uh, miss God, not because of their slackness, but that's where I got what I was talking to y'all about yesterday, but because of their ignorance. See, you don't know stuff and you don't try to know stuff. You, you, you try to remember what you did last week. But how many of y'all know you don't know what you did last week? So you, you have to listen. <laughs> oh, God, y'all forgive me. I need to make a little, just a small tirade here. But you got your iPads, your, your cell phones, you got your laptops. And you can't make a note to yourself. You can put a reminder on your phone. You know, now, now I'm going to tell you something. I put, I put, whenever I go to the doctor, he tells me what my next appointment is. I put it right in my phone. And when it's time for me, I usually put mine for the day before. It always tells me the day before you have an appointment. I know exactly what time I have to leave. My phone says you need to leave right now because it's going to take you so and so minutes and the traffic is heavy. That, that's what my phone says. That, my phone does that. I'm not smart. I got a phone that is, but I'm not smart. And yet, I have a congregation that can't remember their name. I know because if I call you, hey, so-and-so. You don't remember your name because I might ask you to do something. But I understand that. <laughs> but you will not put a note in your phone. You know what? You can put a note in your phone that says, remember to pray. Huh? Read your Bible. Then all through your calendar, y'all got them calendars on it, right? Do this for me. On every day, just repeat it. All 30, 31 days. Smile. <laughs> yeah. I know this is, this is trite. But first of all, when I didn't have a cell phone, you know, back in the day, y'all know about back in the day, huh? When I had to remember all y'all's phone numbers, you remember that, baby? And we remembered them. Now, how was that? How is it that I can remember all of y'all's numbers? If I wanted to call any one of y'all, I could just pull up the number and call. That's my pull up right there. But uh, <laughs> but you could you could ask Rhonda, uh, uh, 
What's Sister Weezy's number? She go, da, 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 da. She, goes, she had it. Ask her now. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? You, but, but you see. You, Now, there's nothing wrong with these devices, even though I think they're the devil, but even though <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the device. But see, what you did is you abdicated your position as a human and you gave it to a mechanical device and said, you be human for me. I'm just going to be stupid. Hmm? That's why they call them smartphone. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri, what kind of flowers does my wife like? You don't even deserve to have no wife. <laughs> When's my anniversary? <laughs> so anyway, in, in, any, anyhow, anyhow, come on, y'all, I got to finish this. I got to say something for fellowship next week. So the Bible says the third confession is one of obedience. We just heard what he said. He said, uh, uh, today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God. You made that confession. You made that confession. Now, did you believe it? Did you really believe it? And then are you committed to it? Now, we don't know how to communicate with God, and therefore we have no way to communicate with one another. <sighs> Let me give you this definition of communication. You write it down in your own words, but this is good. Communication is a deposit of a part of yourself into another person. Communication is a deposit of a part of yourself into another person. See, if I have talked to you and communicated a message, then I'll get a response. If I've talked at you, I get nothing. Moses, in this last section, was adamant about people hearing what he had to say and understand. He said, don't hear with your ears. I need you to hear with your heart. He said, this is a heart and soul kind of thing. It's got to get down in your spirit. You need to remember. Listen, this is what he said. You need to remember, you need to, remember to obey. Come on, let me try it on the other side. He said, you need to remember to obey. Amen. Now, what's the one thing the church has a problem with today? Obey. You forgot to remember to obey. I know that's not good English, but you understand what I'm saying. You don't remember to obey. And the reason you don't remember to obey is because flesh trumps. No, <laughs> Has more authority. <laughs> has more authority than the word of God. Before you are, listen, before you are able to comply with directions, you have to move self out the way. And most people got to deal with self before they can respond properly. I need you to uh, usher next week. I ain't on the schedule. What are you calling me for? And then you remember you're saved. <laughs> I'm here to serve, so I need to go. Because flesh out. That's why you have to be reminded to obey. And that's what Moses said. You got to get, you got to learn to obey. That's why we do the profession of first fruits every Sunday because you need to remember to obey. And if you don't remember to obey, you won't do it. If one, the, the first day we don't do it, 
you will say, oh, they don't do that anymore. You will not remember to obey. And why do we have you repeat it? Because it needs to be in your spirit. You need to remember to obey. The first time you have a crisis in your household, the refrigerator breaks down, the washing machine quit. You won't remember to obey. Amen. You're going to think about what you used to do. Hmm? Y'all still with me? Okay. I had to cut a lot of this out because I'm out of time, but I, want, I got one more thing I want to share with you. Oh, that's good there. Hmm. No. Okay, I'm going to skip a whole bunch. Let me go down to Psalms 81. I'm going to close. I'll tell you what, I hate doing this, but I... Sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Psalms 81. Here's what the Bible says. If people keep their covenant promises to the Lord, he'll bless you. He'll make you a blessing. What? He'll make you a blessing. But if you disobey God, he'll chasten you. Now, Psalm 81 says this, but my people would not heed my voice. It's verse 11. I'm sorry. Did I tell you 11? Okay. It says, uh, and Israel would not would have none of me. You know, the last thing you want to hear is from God when you're going through. Isn't that amazing? He's the only one that can bring you out. And that's the only one you don't want to hear from. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart. Oh, that's a bad place to be. To walk in their own counsels. Can I just stop and talk for just one minute on that? The last thing you want God to do is turn you over to you. Did y'all hear what I, no, you didn't get me. The last thing you want God to do is turn you over to you. Do you know how you treat you? Huh? You, you can't even find a serial killer that treats you as bad as you treat yourself. Verse 13, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I ain't even going to talk about that. I would soon I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversary. How many of you want God to fight for you? Well, then get out of you and get into God. Wow. I love verse 15. The haters, the haters. Y'all thought that was a, a pop culture term. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. Y'all know what I'm saying? Say, let me just say it real plain. Keep faking. You'll be faking for the rest of your life. Pretend submission. Is that what it said? Huh? Some of you pretend to be saved. Oh, hallelujah. I love you, Lord. Don't be looking at me like that. <laughs> I didn't write this stuff. This is the Bible. Verse 16. We're going to try to stop here. Come on, music folk. Y'all come on now. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. You see what's wrong with us. Let me tell you what it is. God is always faithful to us. But we miss so much when we're unfaithful to him. He's always faithful to us. Anything in your life today that's missing not functioning, 
that's not the way it ought to be. It's because you are out of place. What you trying to say, Pastor? You might be doing all the right stuff, but is your heart in it? I don't want your head. I want your heart. And you see, this is the problem is that we do stuff because it looks right to the other people. But is it right for us? What has God called you to do? What did he put in your spirit? And whatever he put in your spirit, are you doing that? Or are you trying to be like so-and-so? That's why he said, don't take counsel among yourselves. Because you're going to be like your friends. You're going to do what they do. Because it looks like they got it going on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? People get in a place where it looks like God is blessing them. You say, oh, I'm going to try that. But that ain't got nothing to do with you. Amen. Hey. Amen. Even to what we're talking about with, with the giving. You can't give like somebody else because you think that's, that's going to get you your blessing. No, no, no. That's from your head, not from your heart. When you reach that point where you given because it's in your heart to do it, that's when God blesses you. So it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. Amen. Are y'all still with me? All right. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet.